This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, it's Casper. And Becky. From the DFWTO podcast. If you've been a longtime listener, you know how much mental health means to us. Mental health actually plays a role in many horror films, especially the final girl subgenre. Whether it's Nancy facing her nightmares and defeating Freddy, or Sydney taking out Ghostface to overcome the trauma of and avenge her mother's death. Not only are horror movies a huge comfort to Casper and I, so is putting our mental health first. And if you agree and you're searching for professional services, let BetterHelp be your guide. BetterHelp will connect you with a licensed therapist who can help you start your journey of self-awareness and discovery. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be flexible and convenient for any type of schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get yourself matched up with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Just like the final girls that triumph over evil, triumph over your trauma with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DFWTO and save 10% off your first month when you sign up today. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-F-W-T-O. And remember, guys, don't, don't fuck, fuck with the original. original. Now let's get into the episode. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I'm your host, Casper. And I'm your other host, Becky Grimlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because... Wednesdays are for podcasts. Alright guys, we are actually going to be covering something tonight that we have not talked about yet, which is... I didn't even realize we hadn't talked about it. I was watching... Um, the show on Max. Um, it's absolutely incredible. If you guys haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's called Chernobyl. Um, we will be talking, we're not going to be talking about the disaster of Chernobyl, um, inherently. We will give a quick, uh, just a, you know, yeah. Wikipedia run through. I think the show, I did not finish the show. It was kind of one of those, one of those things is most of you know, I had kind of a rough year last year and I think I started a lot of things and then life happened and then I just didn't finish. But it was a really good show and I think one of the, one of the important things about it, even though the show itself isn't horror related, but I think if people weren't around during that time or don't remember learning about that in school or just, you know, had, there are people on the earth in this time that, had, that have no idea of it. Um, it was a really, really tra It was a really scary thing. It was really scary. Is it um, actually the worst and nuclear there, disaster that happened? Or um, was it just one of the worst? I think... I'll have to fact check that, but I think Fukushima actually might have ended up being the I worst. I can look it up. Out of after... Um, yeah, so I think it is important that now... Uh, because the show was very well done, especially in going through a lot of the politics of it when you have governments like, um, you know, this was still very much under Soviet rule. This was still very much a part of the Soviet Union. And the show really went into a lot of the politics of how much this was actually covered up at first, not even so much covered up, but not. Uh, how they, you know, they, under the guise of, you know, we're protecting people by not letting them know how bad this really got. And the fallout 
was, yeah. So it's so the worst. It's they, the worst civil nuclear incident. It is one of only two that were rated at a seven. I was gonna say yeah. they are actually the same because they were both rated as a seven. Yeah. But they are both worse in their own ways because they were such different nuclear disasters. Right. So neither one of them is worse than the other. They are actually both the same. They were both rated as a seven. Um. But they're both worse in their own ways because they were such different um, accidents. So the the quick Wikipedia rundown is um, their Chernobyl disaster was a nuclear accident that happened uh, April 26th of 1986. I was only two years old. Uh, April 26th was almost my birthday. It happened <laughs> Just on, a few years later. Yeah, it happened in the reactor number four of the Chernobyl nuclear power plant near the city of Pripyat, which is north of Ukraine, and the uh, was considered the Ukrainian Soviet Republic, which was at that time under the Soviet Union before the Soviet Union was now, as we know it, Russia and Ukraine. It's just Ukraine under Ukrainian. I'm not going to get into all that with what's going on right now. Y'all want to watch the news, help yourself. Anyway... <laughs> Um, it was called the world's worst ever civil nuclear incident. And as we said, the same as the 2011 Fukushima uh, disaster in Japan. The initial emergency response together with the later decontamination of the environment involved more than 500,000 personnel. And it cost an estimated uh, $68 billion in U.S. money. That would be the equivalent of 18 billion rubles. Um, the accident... That's a lot of money. Okay. That's... Yeah. Oof. <laughs> that's so just to give a quick run through it's really best if you watch the show even if you get a chance to just walk watch the first episode because they go into great detail with with cgi and special effects of really running you through exactly what happened especially if you are not a nuclear physicist or you don't understand how any of this stuff works what's really cool is it is actually very accurate i mean they I, actually I will show you exactly very accurate play by play time stamped of of what happens how it happens everything very well done um, so the accident occurred during a safety test meant to measure the ability of the steam turbine to power the emergency feed water that pumped into the nuclear reactor. So that was what actually kept it from, it, it, essentially you're using steam <laughs> and the water to cool the nuclear reactors. So during this decrease of the reactor power in preparation of the test, operators accidentally dropped power output to near zero partially due to xenon poisoning. So xenon poisoning is essentially iodine poisoning. While recovering from the power drop and stabilizing the reactor, the operators removed a number of control rods, which exceeded limits by the sets by operating procedures. Upon test completion, the, operator, the operators triggered a reactor shutdown. But due to a design flaw, this action resulted in localized increases of the reactor called a positive scram, which is essentially nuclear fission. This brought about the rupture of fuel channels, dropped the pressure, thereby prompting the coolant to flash steam, which was bad, because at this point it's already, it's already about to happen. Um, 
Neutron absorption thus dropped, leading to an increase in reactor activity, which is ultimately what caused the melting of the reactor core because they it, it exploded at that point. Um, once it was already in nuclear fission, you can't hit it with the steam water because you just caused a complete explosion, which essentially is what melted the reactor core. And that's what you see. What's covering it now, which you can actually, it's kind of cool. You can even see it from Google images. It looks like what they call it a sarcophagus. It's a big giant like dome across it, but old pictures like what you can see from Wikipedia, you can actually see reactor number three next to reactor number four and you just see a giant gaping hole where the explosion happened and there was just tons of radioactive air just shooting out of that that you just couldn't stop basically um the meltdown and explosions ruptured the reactor core destroyed the reactor building this immediately followed by an open air reactor core fire that lasted until may 4th it's almost a month during which airborne radioactive contaminants were released and deposited. Now, this is where the part got kind of weird with the politics because they weren't wanting to let people know how far this was going. Um, it landed all the way in what is now called Belarus. That was nine, almost 10 miles away. The fire released about the same amount of radioactive material as the initial explosion. A 6.2 mile radius exclusion zone was created 36 hours after the incident, which approximately 49,000 people were evacuated, primarily in Pripyat. So that's where when they do, and we'll get into Chernobyl Diaries, when they're doing, you know, and they actually do these uh, tours, um, it's around Pripyat. So it's close to where the reactor actually happened, but it takes you more inside the actual village near it. Um, the exclusion zone was later increased by 19 miles and then an additional 68,000 people were, were evacuated. Following the reactor explosion, it killed two engineers, severely burned two more. A secret emergency operation to put out the fire, stabilize the reactor, and clean up the ejected radioact radioactive material began during the immediate emergency response. 237 workers were hospitalized. 134 exhibited acute radiation syndrome. That was parts of the show that got really sad is how many... Oh, these are just innocent people thinking that they're going in to do their jobs and help, and they really weren't told. How it was so sad because the guy and... at the beginning was like, "It's just a fire. I'll be yeah, back. It's no fine big deal." To his wife and let's just say he it wasn't fine. Among those hospitalized, twenty-eight died within the following three months. In the following ten years, fourteen more workers died of various causes, mostly related to the radiation explosion or exposure rather. So the Soviet government engaged in a major cover-up of the disaster. When they finally acknowledged it, the telegraph agency of the Soviet Union discussed the Three Mile Island accident and other American nuclear accidents um, and sort of a whataboutism. The mention of communism, of course, was very serious at the time. Subsequent state radio broadcasts were replaced with classical music as a common method of preparing the public of an announcement of a tragedy in the USSR. Chernobyl's health effects to the general pub, uh, public were uncertain. <coughs> Excuse me. So there's been an excess of 15 childhood thyroid cancer deaths as of 2011. A United Nations committee has said there's been 100 deaths as a result of the fallout, exposure-related ex exposure deaths. Um, the World Health Organization estimates that there's been, um, they predict that, I'm sorry, they predict 
that there will eventually be 9,000 cancer-related fatalities in Ukraine, Belarus, and Russia as a result of this. Even now, even to this day, 40, you know, almost 40 some odd years later. So there was the sarcophagus that was planted on top in 1986, as I said, you can see from, from Google Maps. Um, the confinement shelter has been protected uh, since 87. Um, the shelter was heavily supplemented in 2017 by the Chernobyl New Safe Confinement, which was a construction around the old structure. Cleanup is scheduled for completion in 2065. Now, no matter how much of this they get cleaned up by that time, there will always be an amount of radiation exposure. That does not go away. That lasts for thousands of years. And there are still people that live in the fallout zone whose families are from there. They have high amounts of radiation. Um, they're growing in gardens that have high amounts of radiation. All of the reindeer, the caribou that they would eat, they all have radiation. So there are still people that, and, you know, that was something that made the news with the war about soldiers going into there and their radiation exposure. So yeah, even if you're not close enough to the reactor core where there's still the sarcophagus built, there there's still that's why when they do these tours you have to go in with a Geiger counter because if you're exposed to too much that can be very very dangerous. Which we could go ahead and talk about the um Ghost of Chernobyl because of the fact that they went in there. So if you guys know Josh Gates, it's really funny as of recently, his name got brought up in the whole Ocean Gate thing because he now hosts a show called Expedition Unknown, which currently streams on Discovery Plus. And um, if you guys don't know, the reason why he got brought up in the Ocean Gate thing is that this guy has literally been everywhere and done everything, including go to Chernobyl on his former show. But he absolutely <laughs> would not go down this fucking submersible things so that's why i was kind of like listen if josh gates won't do it it's probably telling you something so back in the early 2000s he was originally on a show called destination truth which would air on sci-fi channel alongside ghost hunters if you were a fan of that og back in the day you like me watched i watched every single episode um, well, season three, episode four of Destination Truth, they actually, the whole crew went to Chernobyl and they were actually the first paranormal team to ever go in and investigate. And it's so funny that I had completely forgotten about this episode when we were researching this because I thought to myself, you know, that's not brought up a lot except for the, the cheesy Chernobyl Diaries movie. It's never really brought up much. Even though the movie doesn't really talk much about hauntings, I think it's just more of a rumor that there's like that radiation mutated people and so it takes on kind of a... I am legend. <laughs> I was thinking more... Um... Oh, shit. They, they re... Oh, The Hills Have Eyes. Because I was like, there was an original yeah. and they remit. So it's sort of like, because that, that was nuclear. That was the, yeah. uh, the test bombs, the A-bombs, the atomic bomb test. Mm-hmm. And that people were exposed to radiation and it mutated them. So I think, so there was more like that sort of sci-fi part of it. But I never, you know, when you think you're like, people died there. And people died as a result of that happening. So you would, I would think that there would be something paranormal that would be going on there. I mean, there would have Especially to be. Especially with how sudden that was. Like, and you're it's not. A, and it's a ghost town, essentially. 
literally like literally a ghost town so they go and investigate they talk to two so before they actually go in and they are actually wearing radiation suits so they are so close to the reactor core that not only did they have to wear suits and carry a geiger counter they actually had to take uh like iodine drops Mm -hmm. (laughs) they even had to take tests afterwards to make sure they weren't too contaminated right so they spoke to a... And it was crazy, too, because, like, on the show, you could fucking see it right see behind it. them. And I'm like, no. That, okay, that is so yes, close. Yes, that scene where they were... <laughs> he was talking where they were eating at the cafeteria, and they were like, it's like you're actually eating inside of the microwave. And I'm just like, okay, that's funny, but I don't like that at all. And then you... Sh- and then they... When they're outside, and you're right. Now, this... Would this have been prior to the sarcophagus going on? Or would the no the sarcophagus would have 2009. Yeah, okay. The sarcophagus would have already been. That looked fucking crazy. But it was still it was insane right that there. they were right in front of it. Like you could see the tower. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I don't want to be that close. If I knew that I was gonna be safe close and had a suit on and everything, I actually would go. I would want to but see I where, like, go to... where, like, that Ferris wheel is, yes. like, in the center of town. Because the reason why that was, they were supposed, they were supposed to be the May Day Fair. Mm-hmm. And, uh... They were getting ready for that. You know, yeah, they had the, the stream, the ring around the rosy and the street. They, you know, they were getting ready for this. It was a big thing in town for all the kids. And all of that was just left. And, you know, like bumper cars, the Ferris wheel, the whole thing. Like, I would go and search around that, like where the school was. I wouldn't stand right next to that fucking court. I'm not standing right next to where that court. That was so, that was way too fucking close. That was way too goddamn close. I don't care how it's like. There were even certain times they were standing outside next to it where they had their masks off. And I'm like, am I the only one, like, having a small panic attack? Because I wouldn't take, they're like, oh, we're far enough away where we can take our mask off. Bitch, no, am, you're not. I am in Chernobyl. I think I'll keep the mask on. The whole time. The whole time. I'm good. I'd be like, how can I eat my food with the mask on? Like, what can we do? I will suck my arms in. <laughs> like, I will go without like, food I, for an entire day. <clears throat> I don't give a shit. I will shut- not breathe we'll just blend everything and i'll shove the straw i will not oh, breathe that air y'all got no you got crazy way. that no. was way too close Mm-mm. to me Mm-mm. that was the closest i'd ever seen and i know they do tours but i don't even know if people see i actually need to look that up because when the chernobyl even though the movie's fictitious when the movie came out it fucked me up because i didn't even know then that they actually were doing tours there people like oh no they really did a tour and i'm like why what you I'm not going that close. Um, but it's part of the dark. <clears throat> There's a guy on Netflix. He did a whole thing. It's part of that dark. That became more of a the dark tourism mm-hmm. thing. So they, anyway, they interviewed a former patrol officer and a woman that she was in the fourth grade in 1986 when this happened. So she remembers being evacuated and everything. Um, but they both reported the patrol officer having seen ghostly figures at night and the girl that lived there and then came back when she was a teenager uh, said that she would also see, she called it unformed energy is what the figures looked like and balls of light, like things they couldn't explain. 
So when the team themselves was investigating, Josh Gates and the rest of the people on his crew, there were two human-like figures that appeared on their thermal camera in one building. I mean, clear as day. It was definitely arms, head, everything, like human. And then when they were in another building um, on the thermal camera, there were a lot of lights, a lot of mysterious lights. They didn't know where they were coming from. Um, also banging sounds. Uh, and I know that this wasn't caught on camera, but one of the people in the group, group Jael, actually when they were around where the bumper cars and the Ferris wheel, wheel was, she thought she saw someone in one of the Ferris wheel cars or one of the bumper cars. She thought she saw a figure, like a shadow. Um, but distinctively I mean, Carolyn... on the thermal camera, there were those two figures and then the light anomalies and the banging sounds that they I heard. mean, hell, if I was... If I had passed on, I'd want to be in the bumper car too and be like, I'm going to have some fun over Same. here. Either that or the fucking Ferris wheel. Something. I'll like, do something. Let's, 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 let's try something out. Let's do. Let's have some fun. Why should we end the fair? Just because we're all dead. Let's like, have the fair. We can still party. We'll call it Day of the Dead. <laughs> anyway. I love you. Um, so yeah, I think that was the first... I tried to find another show and as many ghost shows as I've watched. Over I the think years, it's cool that they took it to Ghost Hunters though. They took yeah. it to Taps for their review and they genuinely said that one capture they got on the thermal, they can't explain yeah. it at all. Well, like I said, if people remember back in the day, Destination Truth would air right next to mm -hmm. Ghost Hunters at the same like back to back on sci fi. And they would also do a lot of the, when they would do like the Halloween overnights where they're like four hour ghost hunters specials, uh, Josh Gates would always host them. And I think there was one, did they do one at Waverly? I think one of the first big ghost hunter they overnights did, actually, they did, yeah. they did at Waverly and Josh Gates hosted it. And those were always so fucking cool because you could watch along because they were live and they gave you the option that if you saw something on camera that the other team missed, that you could, like, text a phone number and it would send to them live. And they would go, like, hey, uh, Stephen Tango, you guys were in that room and behind you I saw a figure going to this room or whatever. I, I used to think that That's was cool. So cool. I wish they That's still, very cool. I wish they still did those. Those were really... Hey, Project Fear, can you get on that? Yeah, get back into doing something hey, Project like that Fear, get on live. that. Live interactive ones, especially now with YouTube, like fucking Project Fear. Did you love for sure. that too? That Project Fear, when Dakota was talking about the SB7 spirit box, he said that this is the first time I'm ever getting to use this because so called someone said he made it famous, so I wasn't mm -hmm. allowed to use it. Mm -hmm. I was. And then his sister, Chelsea, goes, mm -hmm. I wonder who that was. And I'm like, he was never allowed to use a spirit box because of Zach. What a fucking dickwad. Anyway, moving on. So, <laughs> well, we know all we need to know about him. So. Yes. Um, but I do think it was really cool, and I'm really glad you found that because I think it's so fucking awesome that someone actually went as a show and got evidence. That's what I wanted. I was trying I to love find that because I, I wanted to start with articles. I was trying to find articles. We did find a really, really great article um, from a New Zealand uh, webpage, of all things, uh, written back in 2019 of some supernatural stories. But I was really, I thought there had to be at least, out of all these paranormal shows I've watched, there had to be at least one, or maybe one I've never even heard of, 
that actually went there and investigated and got something. And um, I didn't even bother to look on YouTube. It's just this Destination Truth episode popped up and I had completely forgotten about it. And I'm actually glad, not that I would have mind if I would have found something more amateur on YouTube, but to find a, I mean, this was a big show that was on a major I love that show. Professional team that mm-hmm. actually went in there and got really, really credible <clears throat> evidence of some of some shit going down. And I'm sure there's been enough people that are that have toured that have had their own experiences. For sure. People just have found very Google images place. Um, of Chernobyl that are kind of creepy, too. Now, those could be very it's well photoshopped. It's a creepy place. Yeah, still. Um, so thanks to Becky, we also have a, um, article to read about the frightening supernatural story of the Blackbird of Chernobyl. Um, we're going to talk about this and then we're also going to give kind of a pretty quick overview of the movie Chernobyl Diaries. Um, because in all reality, it's the only movie about Chernobyl that mm-hmm. was actually pretty decent. That was horror and kind I tried of to watch one on Tubi and it was terrible. Um... Please don't go on Tubi or Prime and Google Chernobyl movies. You will be so disappointed. Chernobyl Diaries and the movie, or the show Chernobyl is really the only credible. Yeah. I can't, well, I can't say Chernobyl Diaries is incredible, or credible. It's not. It's just good. Um, Chernobyl is actually accurate. Like, that's actually an accurate show. Um, But any fictitious movies that lean more on, like, the horror aspect, Chernobyl Diaries was the only, the only one. Um, so the terrifying creature rove above the horizon of Chernobyl and Pripyat, a hideous humanoid with giant wings, a black headless body and red glowing eyes, sending a message of doom to all who gazed upon it. In the days leading up to the Chernobyl disaster, several of the workers in control room of the nuclear power plant in northern Ukraine claimed to have seen the creature that is known as the Blackbird of Chernobyl. I think this is basically, uh, Ukraine's Mothman. Mm -hmm. Those unlucky enough to see the creature were said to be plagued with terrifying dreams and threatening phone calls. Still, others believe the Blackbird of Chernobyl was a form of the creature known as Mothman, whose presence only ever meant one thing. A catastrophic event would soon follow. Last month marked 33 years since the Chernobyl tragedy. Hold on, this was written, this in, was written in 2019. Yeah, so it was around the time that the show actually came out. Yeah. Um... It seems the further times move away from the event, the stories, folklore, and legends continue to cap- captivate and grow. Since the huge success of the TV series Chernobyl, the one that I was talking about, it actually came out in 2019, there's a seemingly endless desire for more knowledge about the disaster, the known as well as the unknown. The um, Sydney archaeologist Robert Maxwell is the only archaeologist who has ever worked at Chernobyl, completing two field excursions at the exclusion zone in 2010 and 2012. He is passionate about the place in both a historical and archaeological sense. There is little Maxwell doesn't know about Chernobyl on matters of both physical and supernatural. He told news.com.au that the legend of the black bird was something he heard about when he was in the exclusion zone. The legend states that the late days leading up to April 26, 1986, that a supernatural creature was sighted in the sky over Chernobyl by many of the men in the control room. They claimed to have seen this terrifying creature just before the explosion. Now it's become one of those fables that's difficult to track because it relies on the accounts of people who died during the radioactive contamination. The Blackbird has also become one of those fairly safe legends where if you try to look for proof, it might not be able because the workers are dead or maybe the sightings were never officially recorded. So for people trying to check the veracity of these claims, of course, you've got to take them 
at face value because there's not really a lot of history or archaeologically whoa archaeology to go on but the stories persist even to this day maxwell describes the legends around chernobyl as the fireside stories of the 21st century these days the blackbird of chernobyl is something of an internet legend similar to slender man and creepypasta legend the smiling man these legends fill a place for us as humans as that the ghost stories and stories by the fireside fulfilled back in the earlier centuries but there are a couple of versions of the blackbird story and the earliest known account seems to have come from 2005. According to the legend, rumors went through the ranks of Chernobyl that five employees had seen a large, dark, headless creature with gigantic wings and fire-red eyes. I have a question. If it ha doesn't have a head, where are the eyes? Yeah, I, I that, that kept confusing <laughs> the fuck out of me. I'm like, are the eyes in its chest? I mean, I, I guess. They're like, it has no head, but it has eyes. Where? Are they in its neck? That would be, it's just, this, this creature is getting stranger and stranger looking if it has no goddamn head but it has eyes eyes chernobyl employees began sharing strangely similar experiences some in the horrifying nightmares while others receive threatening phone calls the second account i've heard of this story comes from 07 which says that people in and around the power plant began to experience a series of strange events revolving around sightings of a mysterious creature also described as a large dark and mutated creature with large wings and piercing red eyes People affected by the phenomena also experienced nightmares and had first-hand encounters with the winged beast. Some of the workers reported their bizarre experiences to survivors of the facility, but there were very little these officials could do, even if they'd been willing to take action. Then in April, disaster struck. Reactor number four of the nuclear power plant exploded. Two days later, the entire city of Pripyat was evacuated. It was several years later that the stories of the Blackbird began to spread. Because the workers apparently described the blackbird as a headless, large-winged black creature with no head and fire red eyes, which most people take to mean the eyes appear on the torso. It sounded very similar to Mothman sightings in the West. Many people believe the Mothman, like the blackbird, are the harbingers of doom in the same way that the Banshee was the herald of doom and death to many Celtic societies. So Mothman sightings are an enduring mystery that began in November of 67 in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. We did a whole episode about it. You guys a whole episode. And listen. Um, more than 100 locals reported seeing what they described as a six-foot-tall beast covered in hair or feathers with a wingspan of six to ten feet and bright, glowing red eyes. Then in December, a chain suspension bridge across the Ohio River from Point Pleasant to Galapagos crashed into the river at peak hour, uh, killing 46 people. Some reported that they saw the Mothman on the bridge just before the collapse. Due to the bridge collapse happening around the same time as the Mothman sightings, inevitably the two became intertwined. Whether you want to believe the legend or not, one irrefutable fact is that the story of one can't be told without the other. The bridge collapse and Mothman are forever linked. There's even a Mothman statue in Point Pleasant, which is now a popular tourist attra attraction. I've actually been there. It's pretty cool. Jelly. Uh, the Mothman <laughs> was also reportedly spotted in Germany on September 10th of 1978 when a mine collapse in Freiburg killed several miners. But more than 20 miners who were supposedly who were supposed to work that day were apparently scared um, by the sight of a Mothman-like creature perched at the entrance of the mine. This creature was known as the Freiburg Shrieker, and now the Mothman is seen as a grim reaper appearing just before death. Of course, skeptics dismiss the Mothman as an elaborate hoax or an example of a mass illusion. 
Some believe the stories have actually been credited by Pripyat authorities in a bid to prevent people from entering the radioactive area as looters are still a security problem. According to Maxwell, while some see Mothman as a herald of doom, others see the creature in a different light, that it seems to be a time traveler of some kind that keeps returning to sudden unexpected disasters. And for others, the Mothman is completely supernatural um, that's drawn in like a moth drawn to flame. The Mothman, <laughs> or the Blackbird, is simply drawn to the energy of disasters, or so the story goes, Maxwell said. It's a fascinating little spooky side note to the story of Chernobyl because not many people are aware of the stories of this creature, but it certainly adds to the creep factor. As if the Chernobyl disaster wasn't terrifying enough, then you've got these alleged encounters with a black-winged, red-eyed creature at night. As for Maxwell, the question remains, during his two field excursions to the Chernobyl exclusion zone, did he see anything supernatural? No, absolutely not. It was entirely very much real terror when you're there. What's truly frightening is that you've got the all-encompassing, overwhelming threat of radioactive contamination if you do the wrong thing or go in the wrong place or lean against the wrong object. There are certain things in the zone today for which any contact for any prolonged period of time will definitely kill you. And there is one thing in particular that I still think quite about, and that's the fog. So that's literally like this big, it's, it would have been on like on a big piece of construction equipment mm -hmm. that was just left there. And apparently that thing is like really close to the exclusion zone and people fucking take pictures inside that damn thing. And I'm like, you're just asking for all of the cancers. <laughs> like, you're just. Which cancer do you want? Kind of at that yeah, point, you know? Pick your cancer. Pick like, your cancer. That's. Let's don't do that. Let's not do that. Um, but yeah, so that wasn't actually, that was the only article that I could find that was concise enough to be able to read. But there were several articles about this Blackbird sighting in Chernobyl, like even to this day, not just so much around the time the actual explosion happened, but even recently people that, um, go there at night or then they're doing tours or people do you think, live around there. Do you think the blackbird is singing in the dead of night? <laughs> That's a beautiful song. I, I love that song. Want, I wouldn't want to hear that song just random. Bitch. In the middle of the night. In the middle <laughs> of the night. Fucking Chernobyl. If I was in Chernobyl and I just heard any song just playing randomly. That's right. a hard pass. You're right. That's a no. Where is it coming from? Why yep. is it playing? Help. <laughs> I have all the questions, and I want to get the help out of here. I'm going to leave. Yeah. Immediately. So, I am shocked that the movie Chernobyl Diaries came out in 2012. I I'm still trying, trying to figure out why Jesse McCarty is in that movie. I, yeah, he wasn't. <laughs> That's the real and had he question. Really, was he even in any other movies? Because why do I, like, not... He was in The Fear of the Walking Dead for a hot minute. But other than that, I don't think he was in... <laughs> yeah, that we don't count that. Um... Oh, he voices Theodore and Alvin the Chipmunks. Okay, that don't count either. He's mostly done, like, voiceover stuff. He does a lot of video games, cartoons. I don't think he's actually like been in any movies. I shit, I don't remember. 
He was in a movie called Heath. Oh, <laughs> I cannot. I'm Heath. like, bro, I would have no idea. Oh, okay. He was in a movie with Catherine Isabel? Oh. Campus. Okay. He's in a lot of random horror movies. Really random horror yeah, movies. Yeah, was one of them. That was a... Also, I did not know he did the voice of Theodore, which is great. Yeah, he just, he's in random. He definitely shit. popped up in a lot of really random shit in the two thousands. Just yeah, I just always knew him more as a singer. I literally, Same. I was just like, I don't want you? another pretty face. I was like, what are you doing in this movie? I and I still and even watching it again after all these years, because honestly, watching this, I was like, I forgot. There was so much. Because we both talked about this. Like, I thought the whole movie was found footage. It and then wasn't. when it started, I was like, am I watching the right movie? I was so confused. I was too, started. because I de- genuinely, deeply remembered it was for all found footage. I forgot. It was the not. Whole, the whole setup to the movie. I remember, by the time they were at that travel agency or whatever, and they mean, and they meet their guide, mm-hmm. I was... I remember that part, but like the whole everything leading up to that, the whole beginning of it, I don't remember any of that. I don't remember any of that. But like this is like watching this for the first fucking time. I think I've only ever seen it once, besides the second time that I just watched it last week. I think I would watch I think I probably had only watched it a couple of times. Or it was something I would just catch on, like when we still had cable and it would just you would just be randomly flipping through the channels and it'd be like, oh my God, Chernobyl Diaries is on. It was just, yeah. It wasn't something that I like actively seeked out to watch. Like, I want to watch this. Um, so the screenplay was by, it was the story was actually written by Oren Pele, but it was directed by Brad Parker. Oren Pele, if you don't remember, did Paranormal Activity. <clears throat> I would hope I would really hope you guys do, but if you don't, it's okay. We can tell you. We got you. Um, he also this probably, he also co-wrote the movie with Shane Van Dyke. So if people don't know who Shane Van Dyke is, not only is he yes, he is related to Dick Van Dyke. He's Dick Van Dyke's grandson. But Shane Van Dyke um, also works with a i thought he owned them but no he doesn't own them he worked exclusively in the early 2000s with a independent film production company called the asylum now prior to sharknado and z nation if people remember asylum the asylum did these terrible terrible fucking like horror versions of mainstream movies they did transmorphers which was supposed to be their version of transformers oh it's like titanic uh, 2 paranormal entity which is kind of good but that's okay like it was their, a one-time watch. i think i got it from i have that dvd and i think i bought it from trader's world i think i legit got it from a flea market for like two dollars and I didn't know what the fuck it was. And then I watched it and I Googled it and I was like, oh, this is one of those fucking asylum movies. Fuck. It's not that bad, though. It wasn't. It's not that it bad. wasn't terrible. Um, the day the earth stopped. So, so that's the day, the day the earth, earth stood, stood still. still. Yeah. 
Um, oh, I guess this is a more popular one, even though clearly everybody knew this was basically Bird Box. Um, was The Silence, which I never watched. Uh, it actually you, legitimately was The Silence. Love you, Kiernan Shipka and Stanley Tucci, but it's straight up everything I heard. They were like, oh, this is Bird Box. The like, Silence okay, was made this. with a good cast. And that's why we all watched it. <laughs> Other than so, that. More, but, but more importantly, let's not forget the real gem that The Asylum distributed and that Shane Van Dyke not only wrote but also directed and starred in Titanic 2, which I just want to say is one of the greatest, most horrible sequels of anything I've ever seen in my life. Um, I don't care what anybody says. I highly recommend you watch it. It's, it's bad, but I'm going to tell you something. This really horrible one that Tubi tried to do last year where it was basically the spirits of the Titanic came back to haunt the Titanic 2 and take the ship down. Um, I was not having it. At least this one was more believable with like the iceberg and everything. But like, did we need this? No, we absolutely didn't. But should you get on Tubi and watch Titanic 2? Yes, you absolutely fucking should. You will be in for a good time. Crack open a bottle of wine. I'm telling you... I'm telling you, Titanic 2 is really worth the watch. Titanic 666. Do not watch Titanic 666. For the love of all that is holy, and I am so sorry to the... I would just like to formally apologize on behalf of the makers of Titanic 666 to the people that died on the Titanic. That was such a horrible tragedy, and they made this god-awful piece of fucking garbage that the literal ghosts from the spirits came up from the shipwreck and attacked the replica. Absolutely do not watch that movie. Do not watch Titanic 666. Watch Titanic 2. I promise you it's worth watching. In all the cheesiness, it's worth watching. It really is. Titanic 666 is an abomination. That movie is fucking terrible. I don't even know why. I saw the fucking trailer and I was like, we are not doing this. <laughs> I was like, we just are collectively, as a people on planet Earth. We the people. We the people of planet Earth are not, we are not doing this. So Chernobyl Diaries was one of those gems, though, that I really, I think for what the movie was worth, even though there was a lot of like figuring it out on your own. Watching it again, it's really not that bad. And I I do tend like I am a I am a fan of Hills Have Eyes. I am a fan of I'm I'm a fan of these movies that do kind of take that like I, I kind of like the mutant thing. I kind of like that. I kind of like the idea of a nuclear fallout that it's kind of like uh oh god with the toxic avenger, like it doesn't kill you. It like mutates people. I've just I've always thought of a sci-fi concept of that was always really cool. I agree. Um, but then you can definitely take that horror. I definitely agree. I think it was actually a pretty decently well done film. It's got you kind of on edge a little bit because they're trying to leave and they can't leave because the there's a fucking bear that chewed a whole fucking wire. And um well, they're technically not, they're like illegally on this tour too. So there's right. definitely illegal tours too. So it, it did bring about some real life things that they're 
So they they technically weren't even supposed to be there. Um, mm-hmm. But then the guy goes missing. All this crazy shit goes on, and uh, so essentially, it's two brothers, Jesse McCartney's fiance, and then this other guy, and this other her best friend. But the other brother like wants to date her, but they're not dating. So it's just those four. And then they meet an additional couple that they go with um, their Russian contact to tour Chernobyl. Well, that when they're getting ready to leave, the wires are torn out. The tour guide goes out. He's got a gun. He goes missing. They don't ever see him again. Um, Jesse McCartney's character, the one brother that's engaged, he gets injured. So the couple, the other brother, the friend... They're running around trying to get stuff for the car to fix it. They get back. Jesse McCartney fiance gone. Gone. They find this camera. They know they're dragged off. We never see Jesse McCartney's character again. The friend, we do see her again, but then she gets taken and killed. I love the, the whole The couple time. gets killed. Well, then you start to figure out if stuff's going on that these people are like mutants, essentially. Because the movie's very dark, but when you do start to see people kind of, as they're running, you're seeing people come after them. You do notice that there's it something was going on with these. Very people. cool that you couldn't see them until the very, very, very last scene. And I do like when you actually finally got to see what they kind of looked like. What I appreciated too towards the end is it sort of acted on it, it to me. If if you go back to what we were talking about to the actual Chernobyl incident, how there was such a big cover up. To me, taking the horror aspect of like an additional cover up. Mm-hmm where it's like bad enough we had to let them know this happened and how severe it happened and how much uh radioactive contamination there was airborne we had to let them know that we can't dare let them know that some of this actually mutated people and that we were keeping them in locked cells and experimenting on them and yeah Mm -hmm. like we can't dare let that get out so even though, like, so, and I, they didn't tell you any of that. Like I said, so much of that had to be kind of left up to your own interpretation. Like, once shit started hitting the fan and people were disappearing and you knew somebody, something was coming after them, you were kind of putting two and two together. But at the very, very end where the one brother gets shot and the only survivor is the girl, this this friend, the brunette character, um, and you hear the doctor, you realize you see these mutants, you hear the doctors talking, and then that's when you're like, Oh, I get it. I get it. They're like, we're gonna take good care of you, and they're like, she has seen too much. Yeah, like we can't. <laughs> we yeah, we we clearly, even though by that time they weren't um, under Soviet rule anymore. But I mean, you can say that, but it's still obviously there were still it's still communist rule. It's still it a lot of that still is alive and well of a lot of need to know wink wink nudge nudge like we're not going to tell you fucking everything but only so much and um so i did like that aspect of it like kind of taking on the real world of like how in real life when this disaster happened back in 86 they were real hush hush and absolutely because that was a you know the whole thing and they touched on this on the show too the whole thing about you know you did stiff up you know we're strong we're we're soviets comrades you know, we have a strong government and we, we never screw up and everything we do is right. And and to have to show and, and furthermore, that disaster could have been very easily avoided 
if not for one flaw in the components of how the reactor was made. Like I said, again, you're going to have to get, I read you a little bit of it, but I promise you, if you watch just, even if you don't finish the series, if you just watch that first episode of the show, even the last episode that is where he the explains most it. Ac- or the last one, he's with the, tri- uh, the, the uh, trial. Is the last what episode. Is that? Uh, Jared Harris is his name. Yeah. So the, he the late Rich, explains. The late, the late Sir Richard Harris's son, who in his own right is such a phenomenal fucking actor. I have seen Jared Harris in so many things. He's, He's a great. really, really, really good actor. Um, he explains it like really well for. But I mean, to not only does he, exp- but I mean to see it. Yeah, if mm-hmm. you don't watch the first and the last episode, but I mean, if you want like a visual of what's actually going on, like if you were actually there and you're seeing it and they're doing the test and the react and the thing and the and the whole shit's going down, like that last episode that really is does it. Surreal. Mm-hmm. That and is he does that it is by so like. Fucking surreal when you're actually, because then it makes it real. Like you can learn it in school, you can watch documentaries, you can, you know what I read to you. But when you're watching it like that, and they've got those special effects down, and the acting and everything. Oh my god! If anything, honestly, oh my watch the last god. episode first, yeah, and then watch the first episode because it's like because the last episode is literally chronologically him explaining everything that's happening and then in the first episode you watch it happen so it's almost he was like the expert that they called in yeah he was to, a nuclear physicist mm-hmm. expert that w- that was that was real like that was actually a real dude so i said if you're not and you really want to know what happened there you go that show gives you one good job max. i mean it could good not job. have done it better that's show actually you max exactly... does a really good job with tv shows what's well, technically with hbo but i guess it's HBO Max now. I think it's just HBO and then Max just encompasses everything. A lot of things. Um, But yeah, like there was so much secrecy wanting, like they wanted to know what happened, but like they didn't want the rest of the world to know what happened. And I, that was part of Chernobyl Diaries that I really appreciated that they sort of took a little bit of that real life of like, even though this is fictional, we want to know what happened, but we de- we don't. We're not dare going to let the rest of the world know what happened. Um, I knew she was. Fu- Any of these where they go like, "Does anybody know you're here?" And she went, "No." And it's like, "Oh, you're fucked." Well, that means nobody's going to come looking for you. Don't ever say that. I've seen that trope in a lot of movies. Don't ever. If somebody fucking. Yes, everybody knows I'm here. My parents know I'm here. The president knows I'm here. The pope knows I'm here. Literally, Zenu knows I'm here. Everybody fucking knows I'm here. Everybody, motherfucker, they will call on the national. They'll call on everybody. Everybody fucking knows I'm here. Everybody knows. But don't ever. I knew that. That sealed it when he asked her, "Does anybody know you're here?" Because then that's just like, oh well, bitch. That means nobody's gonna come looking for you. So they they really don't care. You're if, fucked if they get rid of you. They don't care. That means nobody's gonna come looking. So they don't, mm-hmm. they don't give a fuck. Um. But yeah, Chernobyl Diaries is worth watching. Had to pay for it on Prime. That was, eh. But uh, oh no, I did. I I did the free. I just I just did the free trial and I canceled it. Unless you guys want the Cinemax add-on, <laughs> I I wasn't that interested. But uh, so what would you what would you personally rate that movie? 
it a six. I think it's a good solid six. I, mean, I give it, has, it a good solid it six. Has, it has some flaws. It has some flaws, like some of the, you know, like most of those movies do. But the premise really intrigued me because I had never seen, and I know there was a lot of controversy around that, making anything mainstream horror related to the Chernobyl disaster. I know that was a big thing. There wasn't, there wasn't anything like this that had come out before or since. That was even close. They had maybe done movies about Chernobyl that were more in a dramatic setting. This this show, Chernobyl, um, documentaries, whatever. But there was never anything that took on a horror element with a mainstream audience uh, that was about the disaster with sort of a horror twist on it. Um, Oh yeah, I think it would actually be really cool if they made a legitimately good found footage movie from like about Chernobyl. I think it, yeah, more from it, and I think it could be done from the point of view of having it as a tour, just like this one. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be the perfect. That would there, there's your reason. There's, there's your, your reason right there. Why there's a camera? You're on this tour, yada yada yada. We decide to go off tour, or we're on a legal tour, or whatever, and then shit hits the fan, and we start seeing all this stuff. So, and I do, I do vaguely remember this. So when the movie was released, because there was a lot of this kerfuffle, um, an organization called the Friends of Chernobyl Centers U.S. said that the film's plot was insensitive to those who died and were injured in the disaster and that the movie was sensationalizing events that had tragic human consequences. In response, Oren Pelle said that his film was done with the utmost respect for the victims and that the Israeli charity Chabad's Children of Chernobyl, or in Israeli, wrote him a letter expressing their admiration and kudos for his creation. Despite this claim, others described the film as a plotless mess of disaster porn, citing UK-based charity Chernobyl's Children's Lifeline, who thought it was disgusting. I get it. I mean, I think anything that, I think that's probably why this was the first and only movie that it is sensitive. I, I, I would imagine because of what happened and how many people's lives were personally affected that are still around, that mm-hmm. remember. I mean, this was in 1986. There were people that were that kids long ago. when this happened that distinctly, they're, they're going to remember it's probably 37 years ago like that Mm -hmm. was not that long so if you were three years old four years old five years old and you remember what happened you're 42 now like you're still alive you still remember what happened so i get it there was a lady on the show on um, yeah on destination truth destination truth that sneaks in there she was visits nine fourth grade when it happened Mm -hmm. and she would go back after her family moved away um so I, I get it on, I think with anything that's made that's so close to true life, whether it's a disaster movie, serial killer, there's always a grain of that where you're like, how far does this go? Mm-hmm. I don't think Chernobyl Diaries went far as in, I don't, I don't I think I feel like this, it made it its own. I don't think, I don't think know? it purposefully sought out to make a movie that was i uh, 
Honestly, I think the I I think the I think the disaster porn thing was a little harsh. Yeah, I think that's a little harsh. I agree. I think calling it disaster porn, torture porn, trauma porn. I don't think this movie fit in that category. I don't either. I don't think there was anything specific that. I think it took on a premise that many movies do with the sci-fi element of mutants and a nuclear fallout. It's been done before. I mean, if if you really want it, people could have said The Hills Have Eyes was exploitive and exploited yeah. the atomic bomb testings and and did and I didn't hear anybody crying that and that was that was an original and remake, you know? Um I think it's taking a sci-fi premise that has always been really interesting to people over time. Like I said, the Toxic Avenger, it's been done, comic books, things like that. But I think it took a real life thing. I, you know what, to be honest, I think it even renewed interest because when this came out, I had forgotten about the the whole thing. I mean, this was 10 years out of outside of me in high school and I had learned about Chernobyl in mm-hmm. high school. I mean, like everybody knew what it was. But I don't think I had given it much thought. Now, I did watch Destination Truth, which would have been three years prior to this. But I would have given no thought about it otherwise when the movie came out. So if anything, I would think the movie kind of gave it a renewed interest. Because after the movie came out is when I started hearing more and more of the dark tourism and more people wanting to go over there and and tour. Mm -hmm. So... I think from a horror element with a horror audience, you can't say that it didn't pique their interest of like, hey, this movie, this movie wasn't too bad. You can actually go over there and tour it. They're like, hold up, find out you can, and they and they do. I think it caused a renewed interest in people wanting to wanting to go. Yeah, I don't think it was in any way done distastefully yeah and the movie it was a, a million dollar budget it grossed 37.2 million dollars so i mean it it made its money back and then some no matter what people felt about it um i don't know it has i just a 19% like little... on rotten tomatoes i think it got... i think that was just too harsh honestly i think i think that if the if the movie would have been made now i don't think people would have been as harsh of a critic of it as it was you right 10 years ago because mm-hmm. the movie really wasn't that bad and i'm and 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 movies that have come out since that you want to call fucking disaster porn or torture porn i could give you a few that wouldn't even isn't there one literally called COVID 23 yeah something like that's done that is gross that was fucking that's real gross. right that's the that... fact that i saw that was a real there were a couple of them like that we're we're not even like a year in and people are making fucking horror movies and I'm like, what the fuck? Oh no, it's called COVID twenty twenty four. I I'm oh, sorry. Okay. I it it is a I, horror I short film. It is the year twenty twenty four and the coronavirus has mutated. Americans are in lockdown with the zero tolerance martial law in effect. The story follows several citizens as we go into the minds of what happens when full lockdown in several years. This basically was like if COVID turned you into a zombie. I remember seeing a trailer for that. Well, there was also that movie Songbird. Mm-hmm. Immune to the COVID-23 virus, a courier races against time to save a woman he loves from a quarantine camp. That's the one, because it was 23. I was like, it was something like COVID-23. Songbird, yeah. And there were some pretty big-name 
actors in this. And it just... I'm like, this just seems like this is not good taste. Yeah, it was overwhelmingly panned by critics who said it did not take advantage of its premise, who said it did not take advantage of its premise, although Stormire's performance was praised. That's because Peter Stormier is an amazing fucking actor, and I love him, but I just... Yeah, you can't tell me that. Yeah, so it was by 2024, COVID-19 had mutated to COVID-23, and the world was in its fourth quarantine year, where there were literally concentration camps, and the government was under a fascist police state. Yeah, let's, let's make that movie by all means as it's going down. That Did was he, disgusting. Do you know the year that, that this movie disgusting. came out? Disgusting. 2020. It came out it, right right when it was fucking happening. It was going on like literally right as everything was happening. See, that's that bad taste. What are you, what are was, you doing? I thought this was in horrible taste to make a movie like this. Like, I don't care. I don't want to hear. I don't care what anybody's political opinions are or whatever. We We all have our different ones about it and that's fine. But if you don't think for a second that it wasn't in horribly bad taste to make a movie like this as it was going on and people, and you weren't surprised when people were like, what in the fuck? Like, what were you doing? Like, first of all, if it would have gotten that bad, you think that people would have let it go into four years? Oh, no. We would have hit World War III before that, baby. People would (laughs) have... There wouldn't have been no way. Like, I, yeah, I just, that to me is disaster. That was gross. That's disaster porn. That's fucking gross. <laughs> I could see if something like, okay, for instance, Fukushima happened in 20, people weren't out making Fukushima movies. <laughs> people weren't in Japan talking about Gajua and him popping, even though that would have been a perfect now the more I'm thinking about it, that kind of would have been a perfect premise to tie in Godzilla and Fukushima. I mean, y'all kind of, okay, somebody kind of missed an opportunity a little bit. You could do it now. I mean, you could do it now. Underwater tied in fucking saying, Cthulhu, you have time. They you can, can do it now. Like, I get Fukushima was a disaster, but technically now, we could tie that in with something. Chernobyl was a disaster. And Godzilla like, hey, worked. we can do mutated humans. And it, to me, and it works. I, I don't know. I, if you guys have a different opinion, by all means, we plug everything at the end. Please DM us or send us an email if you have a different opinion. If you thought that this was in bad taste and maybe this movie should have been made and it was too soon, even though it's happened 30, 40 fucking years ago, we would love to hear it. I'm, I'm all for people's opinions. I can get it. But I, I think comparing this to something like that or comparing it to like Dahmer or comparing it to something like that, I think that's where you're kind of getting lost in the weeds a little bit. Like, I think there's some things where it's like, I can, I can get it, but then on other things, I'm sort of like, yeah, I think we're kind of missing the mark. I don't think there was, nobody was specifically targeted. There wasn't anybody. It was just a, a premise that happened to tie in 
with an actual real life thing that happened. And also it was made 30 years was later. Executed pretty damn well. Yeah. That was also 30 years Not later, so. literally during it. Right. So. You got I, people out here making yeah, a fucking movie about zombies and COVID turning into a zombie virus in the yeah, month that Yeah, see, that was happening. wild. Like, okay, so three years later, you want to make a movie about nuclear fallout making people mutants. But as it's going on, let's make a movie about a virus that's going to turn people into zombies. Like, come the fuck on now. Now, now who's, who's doing disaster porn and who isn't because this is this is weird this is a little strange yeah so i would i'm definitely not watching songbird or any of that bullshit but no i would i would watch chernobyl diaries i really would i would watch chernobyl diaries i think it's a fun watch um i do think the acting is a little bit over the top so it just, is the acting's over the top you gotta yeah you gotta take that over overlook it. that but for the most part it's actually a pretty decent film solid six solid six um even though it's not it's real life horror, but it's not horror related. Um, the Chernobyl series is definitely worth watching if you're interested in the actual story and what happened. You want like a it's one of those of two. It. it doesn't even um, need you don't even need to know anything about nuclear anything. No, 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 no. It explains everything in the best way. And like I said too, it's the visuals, as if you're actually there. Apparently, I mean, according with, to a lot of people that were in. The, it, like the whole thing they said that the burn like the effects of, of what actually happens to people burns, too yeah. is incredibly accurate as well and it it gets very graphic in the fourth episode i think where people are like to the point where they're i don't even well, know what to say they look like like so they're just essentially completely... you're getting fried from the inside out yeah if you think in terms um I think for myself, the closest probably personal way I can describe it is I think if you think it, if you've ever yourself or had someone you know that was affected by cancer where they had to go under uh, chemotherapy and mm-hmm. radiation treatments, um, which is essentially your body being exposed to radiation, even mm-hmm. if it's low levels of radiation, is your body being exposed to radiation to kill cancer cells, but it kills all your cells. And um, I remember my mom, before she passed away, after one of her last chemo treatments, having a reaction where she uh, had these very large sores on parts of her body. And that was a result of radiation, where it's essentially cooking your body from the inside out. So you imagine just in low doses to kill cancer, that type of that type of reaction my mom had to being overexposed with radiation from a nuclear reactor up close and personal you were inside of a microwave bro you're a hot pocket like i'm sorry i know that's horrible but i don't there's no other way i can describe it you are being fried from the inside out it's so sad. That's why the sores are so horrific because it's 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 liquefying your organs. It's it's completely cooking and frying the inside of your of your body. It's a yeah. great great visual in my head right now. Yeah, so that was very accurate. Um, the movie, the, the whole show, 
like I said, if you, it's, it's one thing to watch documentaries and it's one thing to see pictures, but when you're getting an up close and personal view of what actually happened, like you're actually there. And not only that, it's being explained to you in a, in probably the most simplistic way ever for you to really understand. Because they know we over here like happened. What? I mean, I'm not a goddamn nuclear no. physicist. I don't fucking understand that shit. Um, so yeah, highly recommend watching that. Watch Chernobyl Diaries. Uh, Voodoo, which is free, a free app. Um, you do have to pay for some things, but uh, for whatever reason, even though Destination Truth should be on Discovery Plus, it's not. Um, but it is on Voodoo. If anybody would like to watch that episode, season three, episode four, Ghost of Chernobyl. Um, that was really cool to watch because, again, first paranormal team I've ever seen investigate that got some pretty concrete evidence, even back in 2009. Uh, yeah, if you or anybody you know uh, have heard anything more about these Blackbird sightings, like I said, that was not the only article I found out about that, about these um, very mythical harbingers of doom, much like Mothman. Uh, but yeah. We hope you guys enjoyed. I am so shocked we had never talked about Chernobyl, and there was a plethora of info. Not only with the movie, it was me watching that show, and then I messaged you and I was like, of <laughs> a lot of paranormal shit. I was really glad I found that show. Yeah, I highly recommend people watch that, even though it's, it's short. Watching those this clips, just gave me a really good yeah. idea. I don't want to say it on the podcast, but remind me when we're done of sure. another disaster sure. for a paranormal episode. Yeah. Um, there's quite a few. There's just one sticking in my um, head really loud right now. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Well, we hope you enjoyed. Uh, that was a fun episode to do. It was. It was very box cool. With research, but I I enjoyed mm -hmm. it. I really did. Because it was that very was cool to get to research not everything that you normally would research about Chernobyl, and, and that that's what made it fun to find out some new things that I didn't know and to actually understand what happened at Chernobyl. Same here. Yeah. Um, but next week, I'm going to warn you guys, um, next week is going to be incredibly fucked up and heavy. Um, it is about a cult, and it is about a cult called the Ant Hill Kids. I wanted to do another cult episode after the one we did last week. Um, I do like these cult episodes. I think Same. it's kind of a, a change of pace. I think we're changing the... from cryptids to cults just because Well, and there's not well, there's so many cryptids that we've done already. And you don't even sometimes some of the cult episodes can take over for the serial killer episodes too. Exactly. So, um and this and the cryptids and and whatnot. Um, because there's a lot of cults out there, guys, that so many. a lot of people just and Kudos to Casper, because I had never heard of this Ant Shout out to my girlfriend, though. <laughs> She's the one that found um, YouTube. We found the... I watched the YouTube video. What the fuck? I couldn't even... The thing is, though, I've heard some real fucked up shit, so some of it really didn't surprise me that right. someone, you know... Most cult leaders are just complete narcissist but this guy was one of those few that it wasn't that he was a narcissist he was just out of his fucking mind he was a taurus too he was completely <laughs> psychotic and delusional and possibly schizophrenic and did voice hearing voices um there was a say, lot going on i would say schizophrenic for sure i would say, yeah typically like i said typically it's usually when you run into these cults like the one we did last week when we talked about last week there's a lot of it's typically just a lot of um 
they're just narcissists. They're just pure narcissists and the idea of having somebody follow them around like Jesus. They fucking eat that shit up. They love it. They have a God complex. So you have those which, you know, I mean, they do as much damage too. But then you have these ones where they are just batshit fucking way there with a Q. And, and what's amazing that, too that is, is that, guy. that there is, is really dude. not a lot of information uh, or not a lot of podcasts, not a lot of shows. There's like nothing on this um, besides about a, a couple YouTube videos that I've seen. And um, I'm sure there's some articles and research that we can find. Uh, but like I said, it's called the Anhill Kids. Uh, feel free to look up what you can find. Prepare yourself. It's going to be fuck, fucked up next week. I'm going to tell you right now. And it's going to yeah, be heavy. Just one particular case that happened so, that will get graphic. But, um, we'll well, do I the mean, best really, there's can. two. There's, yeah. There's two. There's a major one, though. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, it gets graphic. You guys know we've... we've done ones like this before but you know we'll definitely even put a trigger warning at the beginning too. as and then we'll make jokes yeah. and then it'll be okay and it'll be okay, <laughs> then it'll be okay. but yeah <laughs> shout out to Ka thank you casper so much for this because um like i said it was a new one on me and i have deep dived into cults and i was shocked I as was soon shocked as i, I saw the music the music video no as soon as i saw the youtube video i was like hey have you heard of this I was like, we should do it. And I was like, I don't think so. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, we got to do this. We got to talk about this one. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, um, of course, you know, we have all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at DFWTO podcast. Uh, handle is DFWTO8811. If you have any questions, concerns, want to say hey, you can email us at DFWTO8493 at gmail.com. And if you um, follow us on Instagram... Okay. We are on Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iTunes. I am so sorry. You can find us on there. Please it's follow okay, and subscribe and leave a review. And uh, we super appreciate it. Is that everything? Yeah. We're pretty much, we're, we're on all the things. Along the, we're, on, we're, we're everywhere. We're on things. I, I think most people listen to us on Spotify. And Probably. Podbean. Probably. I'm, I'm those sensing are two, those are the I think two big those are two ones. The, the, the big ones. But we're we're pretty much on all those all those things. And and again, if anybody wants to comment about Chernobyl Diaries or literally after any episode, if there's anything you want to comment or throw in, please let us know. Please send us an email. So always. Yeah. We are open. We appreciate it. Alright guys, have a wonderful week. Prepare for the fucking craziness we're, of we're, next week. We're trigger warning you already and we'll give another one for next week's episode. We're just preparing you. Alright guys, have a great week and remember don't, don't fuck, fuck with the original. The original. Bye! Oh, she oh, walked no. up. Are you okay?